So they are really concerned about why did I not speak, like try to learn my language if I had my parents speaking the language or my, my grandparents speaking the language. So their connection to the language is mostly because they want to strengthen the language, they want to keep the language and for their own. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Soledad Chango and Ken Roberts discuss the return of Quechua and Quichua to Cornell and the impact of offering classes in indigenous languages. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. We have Ken Roberts and Soledad Chango on our podcast today, who will continue our conversation about Quechua and indigenous languages. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Ken and Soledad. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so, so much. It's a big pleasure to be here, too. So before we hear more about this new initiative here at Cornell with Quechua, please share with us a little bit more about your background and your path with languages. Soledad, why don't you get us started? Okay, thank you. Um, first, I will start uh, mentioning that I'm Ecuadorian. Uh, my culture is called Salasaka. So... There we speak Quechua, which is a variety of Quechua. Actually, Quechua is the second variety, the second most spoken variety of the linguistics uh, that Quechua have. So I grew up um, speaking Quechua as my mother tongue. And then at my five years, I went to school for my elementary school. And then I got um, my Spanish there like in a formal way. Mm -hmm. So when I, um, when I was 11, around 11, um, I got my first uh, English teacher. So there I decided that English is going to be part of my life because the teacher was really good at teaching. Nice. So in there I decided that I'm also going to be a teacher. So I really liked it. And then at the university, I decided to um, study languages. So um, there I also studied um, French. I took two years of French. So I like kind of speak three languages and a basic French too. Nice. Ken, what about you? Well, I, I grew up speaking English as a, as a kid, uh, studied some Spanish a little bit in high school and college. And then as I uh, shifted in my professional academic interest towards the study of Latin America, I began to, to study more Spanish, uh, a lot of which I learned really uh, informally in the field, living and working and studying um, in different Latin American countries. And um, uh, I spent a little bit of time in language classes in, in Guatemala and, and Nicaragua uh, and spent other time in the field studying Spanish. I confess I, I don't know Quechua or Quichua, um, but I have a lot of interest in the languages uh, as part of new initiatives that we've developed through Latin American studies here within Ecuador. Uh, we had an interest in 
and bringing Quechua uh, back to, to Cornell, and um, and ultimately we you know had an opportunity to to apply for a Fulbright Foreign Language Teaching Associate uh, to give us an opportunity to to bring Soledad here, and so. Uh, I don't speak Quechua myself, but I've been involved uh, through the, the Latin American Studies program, uh, which is actually, I should point out, has just recently been renamed Latin American and Caribbean Studies at Cornell. And so we are very pleased to be supporting the study of, of Quechua again at Cornell. You mentioned that uh, Quechua was was brought back, that there was some demand for it after a hiatus um, where it was not offered at Cornell. Can you go into a little more detail about what brought it back? Right. I should point out that Cornell was one of the first, if not the first, university in the United States to teach Quechua. And this went back to um, a longstanding program we had, um, in in particular in in anthropology in the Andean region. So we had quite a bit of work that Cornell was doing um, in the Andean region, going back to the 50s and 60s. And we introduced the study of Quechua at Cornell, actually published a Quechua dictionary at Cornell. Um, but the program, unfortunately, went away around 2007-2008 in a context of a retirement of a key faculty member and budget cuts. Um, and so basically, we stopped teaching Cornell, unfortunately, uh, about 14 years ago. Um, and fairly recently... Uh, when I was the director of the Latin American Studies program, we were approached by a student organization, Contigo Peru, that uh, students who are from Peru and have an interest in in the Andean region, and they they specifically asked us, why are we not teaching Quechua at mm-hmm. Cornell? And they requested it, and uh, we were very sympathetic to their request. Um, and although we're not, we've not been in a position to, to hire a, a faculty member to come back um, and teach Quechua permanently, we decided it as a first step towards reintroducing the language that we would apply for a Fulbright grant that would allow us to bring a foreign language teaching associate to Cornell to, to teach Quechua. And so we applied for that last year. Uh, we were very pleased that uh, we had a, a number of applicants for the position and we selected Soledad and she agreed to come and we're delighted to, to have her here. Yeah, wonderful. So Soledad, that actually is the perfect segue. Can you tell us a little bit more about your experience as an FLTA teaching an indigenous language in the U.S.? Um, what does your classroom here look like? So how did the whole process work? Yeah, it's been so nice to be here and sharing my language through the culture. So students are really um, motivated about learning a native language, their ancestors' language. They are really connected to um, their roots. So it's really nice uh, for me to be like part of this program, part of this progress a process of strengthening a language which maybe um, was kind of disappearing uh, here at Cornell in particular. But yeah, we are here to open that space for the coming students to, uh, I know that Cornell is going to like offer more courses in the coming years for Cornell, for, for Kitra, um courses. So it's so, so nice to be um, part of this process. So I've been um, as 
I've been working to my students since um, the classes started here at Cornell. It's been a nice experience. They are they are really connected to uh, the the traditions that I have as a native Quechua speaker, the traditions that I have as a Salasaka woman. Um, and then I've been like trying to share every single thing that we have as culture that we have and, and to teach in the same way, like taking those uh, tools for teaching the language has been really a good connection for them. And they are really engaged in that. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been so nice to be working with them. They are so, I'm so proud of them. <laughs> I think it'd be interesting to know. I, I would be curious, and I, and I think the audience would be curious to knowing how, how many of your, the students are actually from uh, the Andean region, so they have, you know, a family heritage, and, you know, but do you have other students who are from the United States and maybe planning to do work in, in the Andean region? What, what are their motivations? I know some of the students said that, you know, we're from the region and said that their primary motivation is they wanted to be able to talk to their grandparents, you know, and which is a really cool thing. But I think it'd be interesting for the audience to hear a little bit more about sort of what what brings Cornell students to the study of Quechua. In general, all the students that I have are connected to if they haven't like um if they weren't born in an indian uh, country or they have like their grandparents who used to speak quechua or their grandparents or their parents still speak a little quechua still so they are really concerned about why did i why did I like not uh, speak, like try to learn my language if I had my parents speaking the language or my, my grandparents speaking the language. So their connection to the language is mostly because they want to strengthen the language. They want to keep the language um, for their own. And most of them have like future objectives connected to the language too. For example, a one student, she is uh, studying chemical engineering and she really wants to make science in Quechua or in Quechua in her case. So it's something really, really wonderful. It's something that even doesn't happen with um, in the community because Quechua or Quechua is kind of limited to some topics, to some science still. So the fact that she's like studying bio, like chemical engineering and the fact that she's studying also Quechua, there's going to be something great in both connections after she got um, uh, the, the, her Quechua her better. And yeah, so then in general, I think each of them have different type of connections and objectives with the Quechua language process they, they are having now. So, and most of them are Peruvian and I have two students mm -hmm. who are from Ecuador, so they also mentioned that they want to speak with their grandparents. They really want to strengthen that language in in very different ways. Um, for example, there's one student who is um, who has born who was born here. So she told me that she's studying anthropology and she's planning to travel to Peru to study anthropology there and also to connect uh, her language with the native 
Quechua speakers. So these strong connections are really great for me and they really yeah. connect myself to the students too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Soledad, walk us through one of your class sessions. What what do you do in your classroom? How do you connect your students specifically with the target culture? Is there a way to connect them with other speakers of Quechua or Quechua? Like, what does a class session look like? Yeah, um, I'm going to talk specifically the class that I had today. Today, and um, I started with some like games, guessing um, different words, vocabulary that we have been learning. So just to make sure they are actually learning vocabulary, and then I took a story from a real context from my culture. So I prepared pictures from my culture, like people dressing my traditional culture and like to making a story, trying to like fit every single thing according to what they have been learning. And it was really nice for them. And after the, the, the class, they said, oh, today I learned a lot through the story. So it was really nice mm-hmm. to have the pictures there and real pictures because they are real pictures that I took um, back in my country. So I created that story and I created like that like um, timeline for the story for them to be like very significant. So these are things that actually happen in my culture and I wanted to I wanted my students to know. So these are pretty much what I my sessions look like I bring something new. I try to bring bring every single class something new for them to be significant. For example, um, there's a shawl which is um, decorated with a lot of colors. So colors mm-hmm. colors were thought with that shawl. So I said this. Um, this shawl is very representative for, for my culture. And yeah, I tell them the story of the shawl and then the, the colors that we have in the shawl. So they were like, oh, that, that, that represents that. And then and then to be very connected and engaged with the culture and with the language. So that's make, that makes really meaningful for them. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. What are some opportunities for students who are not currently enrolled in Quechua to get involved and learn the language? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, there were a lot of people who couldn't enroll in the in the course. So this is an invitation for all the people who were not able to be part of the course and also for the people who want to be um, part of the or an informal session. Uh, so on Thursdays at 3.30 until 4.30, we are like um, given Quechua or Quechua discussion sessions in the Language Resource Center. So all of you are invited to be part of. Another good thing about experiencing my life here at Cornell teaching my native language is that I've also been asked to share my language and my culture in different settings. And so I've uh, been asked to be part of the of a course, of a Spanish course. And so just today I 
shared with them where I come from, uh, what's the story of what's, what's the history of my language, the history of my culture. So it's really nice to have different type of settings, different type of um, even points of view in, in different languages also to share my language, to share my culture. It's also nice to be here and to have people who is interested on learning more about us. So it's really nice. And like the whole year that I'm going to be here, the whole time that I'm going to be here, I'm going to be sharing as long as I can. And, and yeah, Cornell has me here and I'll, I'll be sharing all of what I have in my heart and in my back to you. So thank you so, so much for that. And what unfortunately our listeners cannot see because it is only a podcast Soledad is wearing beautiful jewelry today um, that she told us is actually a family heirloom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what uh, that's what it's part of the culture too. So everything we wear is part of our ancestors. Wonderful. So, Ken, what are some of the plans for the future to build on the work that Soledad is currently doing with Quechua and Quechua? Is there anything already that's in the making? Any ideas? We, we would definitely like to continue with the teaching of Quechua. And, and really, you know, we, we don't see this as a one-year, one-off kind of opportunity. We would like to use this as a foundation to try to build on to really reintroduce Quechua to the curriculum. Um, in the short term, most likely we'll continue with the, the Fulbright program. Uh, we might do that for a couple of years, um, but, it, but it, we would like to move towards working within the language consortium uh, with different universities that Cornell is part of um, and to find a way to make sure that Quechua is offered uh, within within that consortium. So it would be not only Cornell students, but also uh, other students from our affiliated universities that would have access to the language. So that would probably involve some virtual learning opportunities, uh, which is quite common with, uh, with lesser taught languages and where mm -hmm. every university is not going to be able to have their own professor in all of the, the lesser taught languages. Mm -hmm. But if we can work together and pool resources, um, and it's a wonderful way to try to preserve, in particular, indigenous languages like this that are, um, you know, that are that are struggling to hold on. And it's it's so exciting when we have heritage speak, you know, students who are, uh, you know, who come from a particular mm -hmm. cultural heritage, but as over time the language is is not being as as widely spoken in some of the communities. And so if we can help the students to reintroduce them to the language of their heritage. It's a wonderful way, I think, to help uh, protect the languages and preserve them. Uh, so we would definitely like to continue building upon this foundation and uh, try to continue to have Quechua within the curriculum at Cornell. Based on what I've been studying um, about my language is that we don't have a lot of resources for our students. So one thing that I've been thinking about since a long time ago was why we do not have like a dictionary in an app so students can have uh, like direct access for vocabulary words and so to make the, the 
keto and keto learning even easier for them. So this idea came up to my mind like since so many years ago. So as I'm here at Cornell, I know that I will have a lot of resources and a lot of uh, people who can help me too. So and I proposed this to, to Ken and I'm glad that Ken is working like with me and I'm really blessed right now because also a student in the class is working, uh, is studying, um, um, is studying a kind of uh, systems. I, I'm, I'm not really sure about that, but he has had a long experience creating apps and doing all that, all related to that. So he told me that he will be able to do that and he is really enthusiastic about doing that. So unfortunately, he's taking a lot of um, a lot of uh, credits in right now, but he's still interested of working with me on working to like benefit um, our students and to make um, our language even more um uh, visible for everybody so this is something that we are like still planning on and so I'm really glad to be working on that too fantastic so where can our listeners find out more about Quechua Quechua and Latin American Caribbean studies well they can they can check the the website for Latin American and Caribbean studies and uh, there's there's more information there we have a new website with a the chat, I should point out the we, we're going through, um, we've changed the name to Latin American and Caribbean Studies as part of new initiatives that we're trying to do to really develop and bring more attention uh, to the study of the Caribbean Basin region. So we've got a new website, uh, but there's information there uh, on um, the study of, of Quechua. The, the language is being taught um, in collaboration with the, uh, the Department of Romance Studies, which is where Spanish and Portuguese, other Latin American languages, are being taught, and so there's information there as well uh, about the, the teaching of, of Quechua, if you'd like to, to learn more about it. We have a class in the fall and then a follow-up course in the spring semester as well. Great. Before we sign off, we would like to ask both of you to share your favorite word in a language you speak, you love, you are learning, you want to learn. What is that word? Soledad, why don't you share your favorite word with us? Yes, sure. Um, the word that I love is a Quechua word, which is Tupananchiskama. And so the kind of short story is that Quechua and Quechua doesn't have goodbye. So it, it kind of means until life makes us meet again. Mm. So this is a really great word for me. I have it in my heart. So tupananchiskama. <laughs> Wonderful. That's beautiful. Yeah. And you will have a hard time topping that one, Ken. What's yours? I don't think I can top that. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm not sure that I have a, a favorite word in, in Spanish, but I, I had mentioned that uh, a, a Spanish term that is becoming widely used recently, quite recently is sort of uh, and stirred up some debate uh, in my field. I'm a political scientist. I, I teach on Latin American politics. And there's a, uh, a, a, Latin, a Spanish term called alto golpe, which means self-coup. 
that has been introduced and debated in American political science recently as, as we have struggled to try to make sense of what just happened in January in the, in the United States. And so there's been a debate as to, because we don't really have a term for this within English uh, for what we just saw uh, in January. And so people who study Latin America said, well, wait a minute, we have a term for this in Spanish that actually fits, uh, but it basically refers to, uh, you know, some sort of uh, breaking of the constitutional order by, by an incumbent president. So anyway, there's been considerable debate about this term of alto volpe in in, uh, in political science in recent terms. So it's uh, as sort of a, an interesting importation of a terminology that we don't have in English in my field. Well, Soledad, Ken, thank you so much for speaking of language with us today. Thanks to you. Yes, thank you. We enjoyed it, and it's, it's wonderful to. We appreciate your your support uh, for the Quechua program. Next week, we will talk all things Southeast Asia with Tom Papinski. Until then, auf Wiederhören! The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or follow Cornell LRC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners, and do stay tuned for our next episode.